Hey guys, it's Steve on my phone in Hawaii, where it happens to be turkey season. And it is right now turkey week here at Meat Eater, which means tons of great turkey hunting content, a lot of great offers on turkey gear at TheMeatEater.com, and even a calling contest where I am getting my ass thoroughly kicked. Go find it all at TheMeatEater.com. Hey, this is Tyler Jones, and you're listening to The Element Podcast. What's happening, Alma Woods people? We're coming to you from a very muggy, humid, nasty, rainy, but also sunshiny and very <laughs> blistering hot day here in East Texas. I just do not like this day at all, KC. What say you? It is a strange, strange situation we're in. Like, I was planning on trying to go dove hunting this evening, and it was sunny. And then it was monsoon, and then it was sunny again, and then there happened to be a monsoon to the west. It's like, what's going on? Dude, when the sun hit me directly earlier for yeah. like the first time all day, yeah. and it was like 2.30 p.m., mm-hmm. rage. I was like, <laughs> this is about the hottest I've been in as far as I can remember. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and me, a- I mean, so much humidity. It's, I mean, it's just like off and on rain, which I would essentially, I mean, I would, I would assume that that's just because it's like literally on the brink of rain all day with the that's humidity. That's what it is. Yeah. It, the humidity builds enough to where it actually can fall from the sky. It happened to us like three or four times a day. It was weird. But uh, it's a big change from that Montana climate that we got used to there oh, for yeah. a while. Yeah, I know. And you're, you're getting ready to go experience some more of that. Mm, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm going to go to Colorado and go elk hunting pretty soon. So I'm uh, actually in... My, one of my elk hunting shirts today because it doubles as a dove shirt. <laughs> so pretty much scent so, control is, of course, a thing every, in, in all, like, big species. You know, doves not so much. But, like, <laughs> elk, if they're going to smell you, they're going to smell you. It's about what I figured out. Like, you just got to play the wind. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not about skint, scent cones because skint cones. Do you like that? Skint. Uh, yeah. Scun. Scun. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, we'll just take audience poll. If you've ever used the word "scun" to be the past tense form of "skin," like when like you skinning skin catfish, yeah, or catfish, yeah, uh, raise your hand right now. <laughs> I don't know if there's very many of you raising your hand. Uh, neither of us in this Mm-mm. vehicle right now. No, are. but our good buddy Garrett Long in Montana's raising his hand you know proudly. You know who else is? Brian Murphy. Brian Murphy. Mr. QMA. <laughs> So don't trust that guy. He spent time in Australia. That's right. That's right. Man, two of the smartest guys I know use use the word A crazy person word. Man. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) I don't even know. We probably shouldn't even tell the whole story, but that was was definitely a fun night. Yes. Of hearing guys talk about scunning animals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But on that trip... We yep. stopped by and talked to the whitetail leader at Sitka Gear, mm-hmm. um, and that's Chris Derrick, and that's who we're going to talk to today in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and man, it was fun. Uh, I've probably mentioned this before already, but you know, he's a family guy, just real down to earth, seems like, and uh, kind of people I like to hang out with, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's a good, good little interview for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to ask you, is that... 
because you're wearing Sitka right now. Mm-hmm. You said your elk shirt, but your dove shirt too. So is that the uh, Sitka sunflower uh, yeah. pattern that yeah, they're coming out with? Yeah, uh, this is actually, it's millet, I think. Millet. Yeah, that's oh. what they call it. So no uh, consonants. Mm. Or uh, is that con- oh, oh Sitka sunflower? Right? No alliteration. Yeah. We'll just use no, that. Yeah, no alliteration. Maybe, yeah, that Sitka sunflower would be pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it would. Maybe, I thought you were going to go that route where you'd like to combine two... Uh, Words like dove and elk, so it'd be delks. <laughs> Such your delk shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. definitely could have happened. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it didn't. Um, anyway, yeah. So you got rained out of dove. Mm-hmm. I got to hunt dove uh, this uh, first afternoon, I think, wasn't it? Saturday. I don't remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was opening day yeah. afternoon. Dang. And uh, I d- just like kind of came to fruition like the night before. Uh, I had a buddy. <clears throat> who texted me and said, uh, got a got a uh, Milo field that we can go hunt. And I was yeah. like, this is going to be awesome. This is a mutual friend of ours who didn't text me. So yeah, yeah. How about he that? He probably will listen to this and <laughs> feel really bad, hopefully. <laughs> he needs to. Uh, but, yeah, he uh, he invited me out, said we got a Milo field, everything, you know, probably go in the afternoon because I got a late night or whatever. And so about middle of the day, that next day, he texts text me. He's like, hey, you know, let's let's go, whatever. So me and him and his brother-in-law went. And we get out to this field. I'm like, where's Milo? And this dude just didn't even – he just completely failed to mention that we weren't hunting the Milo field anymore. Instead, we were hunting a cattle pasture. Oh, cool. And yeah, I was that's, like, uh, what? It's less um, hype. Yeah, a sure. lot less hype. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, dude, we're not even going to shoot a dove. So <laughs> we went out into the back of this big pasture and there was a bunch of like locust trees and stuff like that and we kind of we had uh his two kids and and my son jet was with me and uh it was jet's first kind of hunting trip really that's cool yeah so we were sitting out there and the ants were like crawling up our chairs and eating us and stuff Mm -hmm. and we weren't seeing we saw one dove come over top of uh you know who and uh he was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the man who shall not be named um but he he you know just got pooped on pretty much and then that was it so we were kind of bored and we ended up moving up to the front and it's like all of a sudden it was like on dude that's and, cool uh it was a good a good little afternoon man we ended up with 11 between the three of us mm-hmm. i shot seven mm. Seven eleven. I was shooting good, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, I hadn't shot like this in a while, and I, I get a little competitive. But mm-hmm. my dad, he, dude, like he can outshoot me still. I think. Yeah. How many did you clean, Tyler? I cleaned them all, every single one of them, and I gave him the slide. Gave mm-hmm. them to the guy who shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you uh, had one little birdie that. Well, I cleaned every single one except for one. <laughs> I'm sitting okay, so yeah, I just wanna let y'all know that I only only let two get by me. So <laughs> I gotta say that first. But uh la- last night we were doing some stuff and Casey hopped in the truck and we went and did some stuff and I was like, dude, sorry it stinks in here. I got this dove vest in here, I guess it's just kinda, you know, bloody and you know, kinda nasty or whatever. It kinda smells weird and mildewy and whatever else. So anyway, <clears throat> next day, which was today, hop in the truck. And it smells worse. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I'm like, I gotta get this thing out of my truck. I'm gonna put it in storage. So I take the vest, and when I pull it out, I'm like, hmm, kind of looks like something <laughs> round in the bottom corner <laughs> of that vest pocket. 
And there was a dove in there. No. I felt so bad because they're so tasty. I know, man. It's literally my favorite thing to eat. We ate doves this weekend, too, from last year. And, dude. You saved doves from last year? My dad did. I don't know what he was thinking. Kyle's in those long-term investments. That's what he's all about. We had a a good year last year. Yeah. But uh, it's literally... The my favorite treat that I think I can have mm-hmm. it is to me it's the best meat that's out there. Yeah. And, and I last know a year lot of people would disagree. in Colorado when Brennan shot the bull, we had dove appetizers. I remember that? That's the best meal I've ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. elk backstrap steaks and dove popper appetizers. How do you beat that, dude? You can't. It's impossible. <sighs> yeah. That's so it. Uh, that was. I mean, that it was a good weekend, man, mm-hmm. for sure. And and uh, you know we. We're now um, this this couple days ago when you guys listen to this um, will be the day that uh, ha- we released Nameless. Yeah. So pretty cool, exciting thing for us, man. The response has been incredible. Thank you guys for all the wonderful comments and and uh, just the encouragement, man. It means a lot. It, it kind of lifts us up going into this season because. Um, Honestly, we're kind of struggling right now watching all these people hunt mm, all over the U.S. Want to kill deer. <laughs> I know, and we're just kind of sitting here, and you're actually going to be doing some, you know, elk hunting soon, so mm-hmm. maybe that'll be changing after, uh, I guess, after you're gone sometime during that trip, I'll, I'm probably going to take a trip up to Kansas, so, um, you know, it's getting close, but we're yeah. still sitting here, humid, sweaty, and everything, yeah. so yeah, no um, kidding, if you're but... in the same boat with us go watch the nameless film it'll get you jacked up make that's you feel, right make you feel like it's cold outside and then yeah. you'll walk outside and uh be sure to uh you know like and comment on that video on youtube tell us how much you like it because you like it but also mm-hmm. to show our appreciation of your support um we're gonna do a giveaway for mm-hmm. youtube comments so don't comment because you want to win the stuff but comment and just know that you can win some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> there you, go. you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it should be cool. Yeah. So, yeah, the comment, uh, all the comments uh, are going to be in the running to win a uh, Exodus Trek trail camera, which, man, that's a pretty good prize. Like, um, how yeah, much would uh, we want the, that camera? I'm going to go comment a couple times myself. <laughs> yeah. We could use one cast more. Cast and catch one in. gum. Lucky guy. Who that's right. That? That's right. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, so also if you share uh, the link on our face from our Facebook page to your personal, you know, share it on your personal page, um, you'll be in the running for an Onyx Premium membership, which we gave away two of those on last week's episode of the podcast, and only one has been claimed so far. Woo-hoo. So it's kind of like the golden ticket, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's I still kind of out there. Uh, we're going to put a, a limit on that. Like, how that's not going to sit around for forever. Right. So we got to do something with it. Yeah, like by the, you better have it claimed by the time I get back from Colorado. That's right. And make that the, the deal. Or he's going to put it in his pocket in. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, go watch Nameless uh, and comment, share, and you'll be in the running for both of those prizes, and maybe you'll win both of them. That'd be awesome. Also, while you're there at YouTube commenting on Nameless, you can check out our Tons of Trout video that released like two days before Nameless. And uh, it was just a really cool outline of the trip that we had um, with the TRCP Media Summit and all those people. And what we did before, which we caught a ton of trout, and then what we did during a little bit. And then uh, we, you know, we had an awesome trip that they... they um, were gracious enough to give us down the Yellowstone guided float trip, and uh, we caught a couple of really nice trout. 
Um, so that was, I mean, that was exciting. And it's a long, long film. You may have to take it in parts if you really want to watch it all. But uh, there's, there's a tons lot of, of trout. trout. <laughs> there are tons of trout <laughs> in it. So anyway, man, Bozeman was awesome. And I'm kind of sad to be back in this heat, but I'm glad to be home and preparing for deer season. And uh, with that said, I think we should get to some deer talk back in Bozeman with Chris Derrick from Sick of Gear. What do you think? Sounds good. So outside of business here at Sitka, who are you? What does that look like? Well, my name's Chris Derrick, and I do the whitetail product line. So at, at Sitka, we break it up, and we have specialists that are in big game and waterfowl and whitetail. And whitetail is really where my expertise is. Um, and, uh, you know, I grew up starting probably in the early teens hunting and, you know, and I had a best friend that really, he's the one that drug me into it, you know, he and I were best friends and it became just such a huge part of my life. It was, mm. I was so passionate and, um, and, uh, so we had property in Alabama, Silicaga area. And, um, that's really where I, I started throughout Georgia and, and Alabama hunting in the Southeast and, and, you know, it's something that I spent my days doing my weekends. I, I remember turning 16 and asking my, my mom, and, you know, I was like, I'd like to go to Silicaga. And she was like, you just turned 16. And that was like four and a half hours from our house. And me and my buddy like hopped in the car and we drove and we hunted all week down there and mm-hmm. you know we're 16 i cannot believe I, I don't think i'd do that with my kids but <laughs> she was like all right go yeah, yeah and we did that so yeah That's i turned cool. turned uh 16 in october and towards the end of october it was the start of the season yeah we we took off and went yeah and you That's were cool. you were when did you actually when did your friends start pulling you into the hunting spectrum i think in middle school um is is kind of when my buddy matt and i uh he he was my best friend and i remember you know our parents would drop us off at one or another's house and we'd run around with our pellet guns and you know and that was like the thing that we did you know just shooting yeah dude, i shot my pellet gun the other day like i still <laughs> shoot pellet guns it's it's so much fun and i'm like i'm pretty pretty hardcore about bow hunting you know but uh i mean i just can't get over that whole just plinking around with a gun that doesn't kick whatsoever yeah. you know i think that's just so much fun yeah, not to mention we've got those uh eurasian ringneck does down where we live you know mm-hmm. that there's i mean they're not a game species so you can <laughs> shoot them whenever you know so you can start yeah. filling the freezer you know pellet by pellet it's a pretty pretty cool thing to do around I gotta, the house i gotta tell you a, y'all a quick story i gotta brag on myself oh, okay here we go <laughs> okay so um the other night kaylee my wife and jet and i were out shooting and jet has the red rider and uh, this, I mean, it can't be shooting like 220 feet per second. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is slow. And so uh, she was shooting my pellet gun, which has a scope on it. It's pretty nice, you know, probably like $80, $90 pellet gun. Shoots pretty fast, just single shot breakover. And uh, I went down probably about 30 yards, and I put um, a white Panda Express cup on there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I put it on top of my bow target. And... Uh, and when I came back, I grabbed Jet's Red Rider, and I was like, he's six. And so he's still pretty young, you know. And I was like, hey, watch this. And uh, Kaylee was going to shoot my gun. And so she pulls up. She's got her eye closed over here, and she's looking through my scope. And I pull that Red Rider up, and I shoot at the, at the you know, I'm going to try to knock it off of there before she, and I miss or whatever. And so I, you know, cock it or whatever and got another BB in there, and I 
I could barely see my side. It was low, you know, low light. And so I took it and I lined it up on the yellow target and then I moved it up like a foot and shot and it just knocked it right, right before she shot it, knocked it off there. And I was so proud of myself. Man, it's kind of cool. Like you have that family aspect because one of my like most vivid memories is from shooting pellet guns with my dad. We were sitting out next to uh, a little barn dominium we'd built and I was like 10 and uh, we've got these plagues of yellow grasshoppers where we live. Like, some summers are terrible. I mean, like eating the screens big. off the houses is terrible. I mean, bad. And it's probably 50 yards to the telephone pole from this barn dominium. We're sitting inside. My dad's like, watch this. You know, pumps it like six times. Thunk. Knocks this grasshopper off in 50 yards. <laughs> hands me the gun and says, that's all I got to do. Prove yourself. You that's know? like a mic drop moment. <laughs> yes, for, exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's like, you couldn't do that again yeah. if you tried. But when I was a kid, you know, I thought my dad was awesome. You know, he yeah. can do that. You know, mm. shoot a grasshopper at 50 yards. Yeah. But. You, and you have, you're bringing your kids into this outdoor world yes. quite a bit now. Recently, I've seen on social media, at least it seems like, and we talked about it a little bit. What does that look like for y'all? I mean, fishing yeah. mostly or... No, well, I mean, with them, they so when we were in, back in South Carolina recently, you know, my son, he got he got a pellet gun, and he kind of started down the same path, and it's just really interesting to watch him. I mean, he could spend like five hours just plinking stuff outside mm-hmm. and just running around, and uh, so he's now 10, and here in Montana, where we are now, is when they can get their apprentice license. So last night, I brought home like a 6.5 Creedmoor, and you know, I'm doing the oh, whole muzzle break thing so it doesn't hurt his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so last night, I was going over that with him, and you know, getting him prepped up. So over the next like couple of months, he's going to be transitioning from shooting something you know that's just like a 22 or those 22 or 223 calibers into something you know that can take down and you know i've told him look you're going to get to take your first deer if everything goes right this year and so we're working him through that path and then we're gonna you know he'll get so he's super excited i mean he's just like he was like dad is that the one i'm (laughs) gonna use and and it's just neat because it reminds me you know like we talked about when I'm sure it's something we can all relate to, but he's going to have that same moment. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm five, eight, but he's going to, you know, from him, his standpoint, it's like Superman. That's the way you think <laughs> yeah. of your dad. Yeah. And I get to bring him in. And then my daughter, you know, she's eight and she's, she's already asked like, Hey, when is it my turn? And that's cool. You know, so she's, she'll come into the fold eventually as well, yeah. but she's more like the caring, loving. So we'll see if it <laughs> actually see happens. It's like my daughter a little bit. She, she, she and I are morning people. So we wake up early and go to sleep early, usually, unless we're flying into Bozeman. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then the other two, my wife and my son are night owls. And so I get up every morning and I go out, we live in a very small space right now. We're kind of in between homes. And so, um, I go out and shoot my bow like every morning because I don't have anything to do. It's dark. We're all in the same room basically, you know? And so I'm like, I'm not going to make much noise in here. So I go out, start shooting. And then she comes out usually 20 minutes later or whatever. And she, she calls them bullets. She wants me to shoot my bullets, you know, but she's super interested in that, in that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but she also like when she sees a deer get shot on video, she kind of like, there has been times when I had to like distract her to make her not cry. You know, like I thought <laughs> yeah. she was going to start crying. So, and I'm kind of soft like that too, mm-hmm. honest in all honesty, like, you know, it's, it's hard for me in certain situations to see a deer die, yeah. you know? I mean, this and, year we had one of those. I remember, like, you were slightly tore up when yeah. we had a – we shot a doe this year, early season, you know, just kind of getting out and, you know, doing what you do, getting the stand and see what happens. And uh, 
this doe, like, he made a great shot on this doe, quarter and away, you know, like, what was it, like, 22 yards yeah, or something, something like that? Something like that. She, like, probably ran 60 or 80 yards, but she wheeled around and ended up, like, passing right at the base of our tree. Mm-hmm. And it was totally and different. Around and yeah, it was... It's, you know, normally when they go off and fall or you hear them crash, it's a different thing than, like, when, you know, you watch the animal die, mm-hmm. you know. And we were both, like, kind of, like, kind of off taken by it. You know, not <laughs> yeah. that it was bad or that we felt bad about it, but it's just, it's kind of cool when things get a little more real for you like that, you know. And experiences like that kind of strengthen your bond with the outdoors almost. Yeah, I think if you don't, uh, I mean, if you don't have that, I mean, there might be something kind of wrong with yeah, you sure. when you, when you take yeah. a look at it. I mean, I remember when I shot my first deer, you yeah. know, you kind of have that conflicted feeling, but that's mm-hmm. that's part of the respect that we have for mm-hmm. that. I mean, w- this is something we're doing to not only um, manage the population, um, you know, uh, and then also just put food in the freezer, but, you know, I mean, you're still taking a life, yeah. and, and that's just a part of life. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're a part of the ecosystem. We're not separate from it so you can either take a look at it from the lens of it's you know over here and we shouldn't be a part of it but that's not reality yeah um, reality is is we're a part of this ecosystem and you know we we're here so that we mm-hmm. you know we can fill our freezers we can we can be a you know participating uh, yeah. uh, part of both protecting it and also harvesting from mm-hmm. it. you know it's something i had to learn as i got older truthfully i mean i was raised with you know a family of outdoorsmen you know like we're talking about you know raising your kids up that's how i was raised but uh i did a lot of hunting with my granddad because he had more time off than my dad did you know and to him it was just a means to an end there wasn't a lot of like uh i guess recognition of the presence of that animal as a living being you know what i mean so like i i I killed my first deer when i was six and i was a little bit too young to really comprehend what happened you know and then it, it probably took me until i was like i guess i was 16 and killed my first buck with a bow and that's kind of where it hit, you know, like I kind of had a little bit more of a concept of like what I was really doing. And it was kind of weird. And it's almost, I know it's, it's by law where your, your son has to start at this age point, you know, but I think it's kind of a good thing. And him and I have talked about this, you know, like there's, there's like the age of accountability, I guess is a good way to say, it, you know, where you actually understand that you're taking a life, you mm-hmm. know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in our family, I mean, even before, like uh, I, I could have had him take a deer and, and dep- it doesn't. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Like if yeah. if you take your kid out and they shoot one at six, that's yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I was happy and to do uh, it. You know, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, in our family, we just said, hey, it was the approach we took with Cole was, you know, when you turn ten, it, something about the double digit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I said, I, then we're gonna we'll have the discussion, and if I feel like you're ready, and you know, he and we're gonna obviously use. Uh, uh, you know, a rifle for him to mm-hmm. take because he's not strong enough with a bow. But I did get him like a little mission, you know, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. set up. And he's he goes out there and shoots it all the time. You know, I hung it up and I was like, you have to earn the money to get this. And, <laughs> you know, he was That's out there I, like doing stuff. And I had to do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. so he took him almost six months but you know i was paying him breaking down cardboard boxes throwing in my truck and yeah. you know and that's how he was earning that's money cool. yeah so when did you like start identifying as a hunter you know you can you can be someone who hunts but like i feel like for me there was a turning point in my life like when i decided like you know this is this is who i am you know him and i talked about this while ago actually like you know how to state the question to you like what do you do outside of hunting but you can't I, I don't feel like I can answer that because it's a part of my lifestyle you know mm-hmm. what I mean yeah I guess for me I don't know if there's been a point since when I started uh-huh. because I, I think I started later than you did mm-hmm. um so 
I just, I kind of came into it and then it became like, I feel like in your teens, early teens, Mm -hmm. mid teens to like when you're, that's kind of where you become and identify who you are. So at that point in my life is when I started to pick up that. So it just became who I was. And, you know, there's been, there was times when I slowed down, you know, where I moved off and and did, uh, you know, other activities, but Mm -hmm. then it rose back up, you know, like, like early twenties, I rodeoed for a while. So that like was my like focus and mm-hmm. that's what I did. I'd still go hunt, yeah. but that was the big thing during that time period. And then like, you know, mid twenties came back and it started rising and yeah. now I'm going to be 40 this year, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I went through the kind of same thing. Like I, you know, I grew up deer hunting and loved it, you know, and then I did a stint where I worked for the state as a trapper and like didn't get to deer hunt a lot in that time period, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, once something gets deep in you, it, it, it's like, you ever seen those, like a tetherball, you know, like you hit it and it just comes back, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it is whenever you truly like get this in your blood, you know, or you, you like it becomes a part of you, like you're going to come back to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like that. And I was trying to teach some of that stuff like you're talking about. I'm a part-time youth, part-time youth minister. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other night, you know, f- school's fixing to start across the country, you know, and then we took all of our junior high and high school students to campus like walked around and talked about different stages in life you know we talked about the same thing you talked about where like uh high school like that time period is really when you're figuring out who you are going to be the rest of your life pretty much you know and i think it's important like not only for us to like look back and remember that but also like be able to spread that message to you know people who are going through that you know because Mm -hmm. i can remember being that age and like i didn't really think about the the choices or decisions i was making you know Mm -hmm. at that point in time yeah, we talked yeah. about how. Yes, I think it was yesterday. It's been such a long day um, that, uh, <laughs> that uh, there's barely sleep involved in there. There was barely, um, but uh, we talked about how you know, like you, my dad was telling uh, how like people don't change most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, very few people actually change who they are once they get out of high school or mm-hmm. say. And so, like you know, he's like, I'm a go and hang out with all my high school or college buddies nowadays. And it's like some guy does something and you're like, you were, that's exactly what you did when you were 17 years old. You know, like you haven't changed a bit. And so it is, I mean, I guess in most cases it would be important that you learn certain things in that high school or junior high age, even, you know, um, it's very important. But one thing, you know, like I guess as a hunter, or as a person who identifies as a hunter, is this not like the greatest place to live on it, earth? <laughs> it's not too bad. I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I pinch myself every day, you know, and, uh, you know, I've lived out West and I've lived in the East and, and, uh, and it's, it's just a beautiful area of, of country and where Bozeman were sick is born out. I mean, it, what's cool about, I think what sick has done is it was born with kind of like, the mountain sports mentality. Mm-hmm. So when Jonathan Hart founded this, the way that he was looking at it is it could be so much better than what's out there. So if you take that, the perspective of like somebody that's doing alpinist type um, work or they're, they're approaching, you know, that type of a sport, but you bring that to the hunting category, you can, you can do that. So whether it is big game hunting, you know, where maybe you're going up a, a mountain or if you're going to the whitetail woods, 
you still have to think about moisture management and how you're going to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what's kind of neat about, uh, about that is we look at it with that same lens. So, you know, you, our type of hunting sport that we're doing in the whitetail woods where big game, maybe you're doing like it's high aerobic and it stays high aerobic, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're going to have actually a high aerobic section of hunting. And then uh, when we're going to maybe move to the stand or we're, we're walking in or we're climbing up or we're setting a stand, but then we're going to be in a stagnant sit. Mm -hmm. So you may not be able to use your uh, body heat as actively to be able to push out that moisture. And so that's kind of the lens that when I look at designing product is how is I going to make it mm -hmm. for people that are sitting in that type of position when they're hunting whitetails, usually from a tree stand. And then just from, you know, the Bozeman area, there's so much right. types of hunting there. I mean, you can hunt whitetails here. You can hunt antelope. You can hunt, uh, you can hunt uh, elk. There's so much to do. And then you can go fishing for just about everything except bass. Uh, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got that covered where we're yeah. at. We grew up in bass capital of the world pretty yeah. much you we don't know, mind coming Texas. up here and missing the bat missing out on bass you know it's not that big of a deal <laughs> that's what we did growing up yeah we grew up on lake fork but uh i, I mean is bozeman uh is that is the style of whitetail hunting around here is it um something uh, can you get the experience that you need hunting them in a certain way to to learn like what you need from a product development standpoint. So like, you know, for us, obviously there's a lot of public land here, you know? So, I mean, I think I would think that you could, but uh, for us, you know, um, a lot of times we're walking in, we hunt a lot of public land and there's not a lot in Texas. So <laughs> we have to, you know, we have to squeeze in somewhere, but, uh, we're walking in a long distance usually because of that, so, you know? And so, uh, you do, you get, you get sweaty and on the way in. doesn't matter if you're just wearing a, nothing basically yeah, you know I'm you kidding. could walk in a in a, in a loincloth but uh then you get into the stand and you gotta you gotta manage that temperature uh, as your body starts to cool down and all that are you able to get certain different styles here that you can test the gear here or are you relying on going places or having field correspondence or whatever it may be the the, the approach i take is there is there there's you can take a certain aspect here, but I spend a lot of time traveling. Um, so hunting whitetails here is not like hunting whitetails maybe in the Midwest or, or in the South or in even Texas. So I do have to go to those different places, and I like to put myself in some different situations. I'll do things that I typically wouldn't do just to, to learn a little something, but then I also use a network of field testers that are all over the country. I mean, we have quite a few, and I'll, I'll send stuff out to them to get a balanced opinion when I'm developing products. So mm -hmm. there's some really great advantages because we can get some great, like cold weather here fairly early. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that you can't get elsewhere. Um, but you know, if you want to go to a hot buggy environment, you know, I'm going to take a trip down to the South, like to Florida or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put myself in that situation, which may be on the extreme edge of what you experience, but it's the worst of the worst. So like, it's like what, where could be the most miserable place <laughs> I could go and let's try and do this and yeah. see what we learn from that. And mm -hmm. that's, that's all part of the process. Mm -hmm. Is that a drag ever when you go and do something? I know you're hunting, you know what I'm saying? But like, is it, is it ever like about day three, you're like, man, 
this is <laughs> this is brutal, you know. I could lie and say yes, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm very lucky to be in the position I am. I mean, yes, you're, you'll be tired. You're burning the candle on both ends. Yeah. And I never lose that fun and that energy. Like uh, we were talking a little bit about it earlier, but the trip to Florida, like I mean, hunting in the Everglades, and you know, for white-tailed deer in July, you would be like, this is, you know. That was probably the most miserable place, and I was miserable. I mean, I was miserable, but I was totally content being miserable. Right, yeah, right. yeah, that's so cool. Is it is it mosquitoes or what's the, what is the what's the worst bug there that you had to deal with? The mosquitoes are absolutely the worst bug yeah. that are, are there. So it's kind of funny when you're down there, and you know, you know, we used thermocells when we were down there, and that did help. But the uh, um, it's kind of as the sun sets. And you can hear, you know, that really high pitched. Mm-hmm. Oh, the but woods. But when the whole, yes. flo- like, I'm from the south. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, but this was a whole new level. I was mm-hmm. like, sitting in my, like, <laughs> looking around. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really the, bad. The and, gray cloud is coming, right? Yes. <laughs> and it's like, and they're huge and they're just all over. Oh, and yeah. It, yeah, it was, I mean, in every inch. So it was, we were down there with Mike Massey and he, you know, he was talking about, and he, He's pretty used to it, mm-hmm. um, but he it, – it's just every inch of what he, what was down there was one inch to 24 inches of water, and then these, like, little dry patch of hammocks that were, you know, a couple hundred yards long. But, I mean, you just think, like, the – if you were talking about the ideal breeding ground for a mosquito, oh, okay. I mean, oh, yeah. like, every – inch of that place it is mm-hmm. and um you know it, it's hot you know as soon as you step outside you're sweating mm-hmm. i mean there's nothing you i don't care if you were if you went out there in your underwear you're gonna step out the door and you're gonna be like okay i yep. just i've been in the shower mm-hmm. and, yep. and and that's so when we were down there with a new early season whitetail it was more about like managing your comfort level um to be able to make you as comfortable as you could possibly be in that environment because there's no way you're not going to be sweating Mm -hmm. i mean if if, you know there's no apparel in the world that's not going to make you sweat so how's it going to be able to manage that moisture and basically because you you'd get up and then you'd sit and then just a little bit of that breeze and then you'd be soaking wet and then you'd start to dry out and that was that was what was really mm-hmm. neat to see mm-hmm. as best as you, you know, you could dry out down there. You obviously are probably as hard on the gear as far as scrutiny as you could probably be, you know, and, and is the, do you, is the early season whitetail gear, is it geared towards any kind of bug protection at all? Or is it mainly, uh, you know, odor or you know, sweat protection kind of thing, or it's mainly managed towards like your temperature setting. Okay. Um, I, what I would recommend is, you know, if you're looking for bug protection, there's not much better than, in my opinion, taking a thermocell and setting mm-hmm. it beside you or, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a little bit of scent that goes with that. Um, but if you manage the wind in the right way, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that was pretty effective. Um, the worst yeah. hunt I ever have been on was, like September, mid-September in Kansas, and I sat over the top of a, this, I know that sounds terrible, you know, it sounds like, well, it's Kansas, there's nothing there, but we were sitting on top of a spring, little spring pond, and it was maybe twice the size of this room right here, and um, I had never dealt with no seams really until then. Oh, they're awful. It was the, I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm sitting here going, there's a big deer that's been coming through here, you know, like, I have a good chance of maybe shooting this deer, and hour left in the sun and in with the sun going down you know i was like 
uh, I had a t-shirt on and I ducked my head into my t-shirt and pulled my arms in and just sat there. I would sit there like this for like 10 minutes at a time and then I would peek out and then go back in. It was the most miserable thing that I've I ever done. I bet it was like right when the sun was either coming up or going down. Going down. Yeah. Going down. So mm-hmm. there's like that 30 minute window where those things come out Yeah, and they are brutal. It's, uh, it, you yeah. can't see them. And then all of a sudden your arm just hurts like fire, you know? Yep. Terrible. Terrible. They're tiny little animals. Does uh, it ever get old? Like, so I would imagine your position, you're always trying to push things to the limits. That means you got to go on a bunch of hunts that are on the limits, you know? Like, do you get like a like a fun hunt that's like just like the real, you know, mediocre weather kind of thing that you do every year just to kind of like have a vacation from the tough stuff? <laughs> yeah, I had some hunts uh, that, you know, weren't the end of the world. But, I yeah. mean, I you know, in the past 12 months, for example, I've had the extreme of hunting with Jim Hole in the bow zone in Alberta, and mm-hmm. that's like negative 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I, I can show you a picture on my phone of – you can see like little ice crystals developing all over my, you know, all over my site and, you know, and then going all the way down to Florida where it's 95. But, you know, I've, every once in a while, there's just days in the middle, even when you go in the extremes Mm -hmm. that are just going to be like a normal day. And, and you might be going with like a customer where you're just doing brain night, brainstorming ideas and those situations you know they they you do stumble across those yeah. but well i'll tell you if you're looking for one there's a there's a culture in texas where they like to just drive down senderos in <laughs> yeah. south texas and honestly whether you're sitting in a stand or driving down a, a high lift or whatever with a high lift you know down a sendero South Texas in December is hard to beat. Mm, man. I mean, South. it's pretty cold in the mornings for us. You know, it's chilly. Not for probably both of us. Risk 40, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but then, you know, in the middle of the day, like, you could sit in your underwear around the campfire. Or not the campfire, but, you know, around the camp. And and uh, it's a pretty nice hunt. There's, <laughs> there's uh, Texans know how to take it easy. And I, I kind of actually, I, I kind of debate this in my mind, at least. And I talk to Casey about this a lot. But, um you know, like sometimes I feel like that uh, it's good to push yourself and it's good to see what you're made of. It's good to learn things through those experience uh, experiences. Um, but sometimes um, I feel like hunting should be fun as well, you know. And so you have to, uh, you know, like we do a lot of tactics on the podcast, how to kill this deer, how to set up on this deer. They use wind and scents and whatever you might be doing, you know. Um, and obviously you want to see deer while you're out there and you want, you want to be in the right spot, you know, but, uh, sometimes getting out and sit in the woods on a nice evening when it's 50 and you're comfortable and there's no bugs and, uh, you can just sit there and kind of meditate or whatever you do. And I mean, that's, that's fun too, you know? Um, I, I think it's recharging too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. When, when you go, if you're not having fun and I've talked to people, you know, when we talk about the hunts that we do and they're like, that sounds awful. And, and you're like, <laughs> But for me, this is a part of my job. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So even when I do those hunts, uh, that I'm still like always working. Um, so it for me, I, I'm out there and I can't help it. It's like part of my pa- personal passion is is developing products. So even if I'm like running out, like like last week I was hunting antelope. That was for me, mm-hmm. you know. Here and you know I'm trying to learn that game since moving out here, but. At the same time, I'm bringing gear with me that I'm working on just to, like, see. Because you can always be learning something. But 
as long as you're having fun, that's what really matters mm-hmm. because when you go out there, that's part of why we're out there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We're not doing it because it's something we have we don't to go like. get meat or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. We could buy it, you know, I, I agree totally. And, and uh, I think that we have to be careful sometimes because especially as media, um, I see people talking about the grind. We've talked yeah. about that before. Yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, sometimes it's, it's tough, you know, but, uh, man, like it's such a, it's such a cool deal to just be out there and have this ability to hunt and not be in Europe or somewhere where you can't really go hunting unless you have a lot of money or whatever it might be. And, and, uh, it's just, sometimes you, I feel like some people think of it as something that's hard and I'm always a big advocate for if it gets to where you're, it's drudgery take the morning off, you know what I'm saying? And go out that afternoon. And we did that mm-hmm. after Brennan killed his bull last yeah. year. And it was just like, when you, when you do that and you kind of recharge, you know, it's like you're ready to go and you got the next three or four days or whatever it might be. And you're just, you're just ready to go. So yep. I, I definitely believe in that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And the guys that are really good, you know, uh, at, at getting really mature whitetails they'll they'll focus on those key days yeah mm-hmm. and that's so that's one of the things that as you talk i spend more and more time talking to people that if that's the game that they're into you know you can be i think it can be like i like to be outdoors and mm-hmm. i like to go hunting you know i want to fill the freezer that's mm-hmm. one aspect and then there's the i'm chasing mature whitetails and then there's like i'm chasing mature whitetails on public land yeah <laughs> um sure. you know and that's like a whole nother level um yeah. But when you're doing those types of things, they're focusing on the days that they're going to be most effective. So Mm -hmm. and that and that uh, and there's all the work that leads up to that, too. I Mm -hmm. think that's where really like it's not you just went out those couple of days and went hunting. It's like there was the other 50 days that you spent prepping. It's the lifestyle. It's it's being a hunter. You know, it's it's not just hunting. That's what like I started talked about. I started yeah. calling myself an experience hunter. Like I'm not a meat hunter. You know, like I can go to the grocery store and buy chicken. I do it every once in a while. You know, and uh, <laughs> I'm not a trophy hunter because I'll shoot something smaller if I need to. Like when I'm going to Colorado in September, I'm shooting the first elk I get a chance to because I enjoy the experience. You know, and that's just kind of part of that experience that we're talking about. Like I don't think that it would have meant as much to him and I to you know go up to the midwest and shoot a uh, you know a big mature buck on public land if i hadn't worked hard for it you know if if and it's okay to do this but like if for me if an outfitter put us on that deer it wouldn't mean the same to me or you know you take it another level which our great state of texas is known for you know if the deer's got a ear tag it really doesn't mean much (laughs) to me you know and it's not really my kind of thing um so chasing that experience like you're talking about and having a little bit of that struggle is like important to me it's it's almost vital I don't really want to go on a hunt that I'm comfortable all the time you know because I feel like in where I have discomforts where I learn things about myself mm-hmm. and where I become a better hunter yeah mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting like I like hunting with different people too and watching the different approaches yeah you can learn something new from you know people that they can be young, old, doesn't matter, tons of years of experience or you're taking a new approach. But it's fun to actually like sit and like go with different people and watch and say, oh, I have never thought of mm. doing that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's one of the really interesting things that, um, you know, if you go with different people, you see the different approaches people yeah. take and how they develop a system that works for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend, Cody. Yeah. He's just, he's got his own system and it, 
doesn't make sense to me sometimes, you know, but like it works pretty, pretty well for him. And it's, it's funny how something totally foreign to you or that seems so, you know, like it, that's not going to work, you know, and it does, you know, so you're, you're hitting it on the, on the head there. Why, um, add, okay. So whitetail are the king species, you know, everybody, a lot of people have access to hunt whitetail. It's been, uh, you know, the most hunted game animal in North America for some time. I'm, I don't know how long, I'm sure. Um, what makes them not boring or cliche at this point in hunting media and the pursuit? Yeah, it's one of those animals, if they're, you know, open and free range, it's like the one animal you can't, I feel like, just go buy. Mm-hmm. Like if like if you were into, like, the outfitter thing. Mm-hmm. Like right, right. The, the, there's, like, they're savvy um, yeah that you know their sense of smell is really good um you know the old ones are mature for a reason yeah. and mm-hmm. uh and so that's that's one of the things that's interesting about hunting them is they're they're accessible um you know a lot of people they're maybe less intimidating for um, people to be able to go try if they're just getting into the hunting mm-hmm. world um and you know it's it can be really challenging if you're if you're going after a certain type of animal, and then it also can be really accessible for maybe somebody that just wants to go out and maybe take the first year with a doe mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. something along those lines. That's, I think that's one of the great things about whitetail is there's so many of them, there's so many places that they cover. I mean, there's tons of them here, right where we are standing mm-hmm. now, and then you can go all the way, you know, to the northeast or the southeast or texas and there's tons of them down there too mm-hmm. as well and it's it, they're a unique animal they are for sure and and uh you kind of summed up my season last year <laughs> or our season you know we we hunt together and you know he was as excited for me to shoot that deer as i was you know but we went and hunted does uh in early october on the, on a permission property that we had only permission to hunt does on and so i go out there and you know two hunts i shoot a doe and, you know, not super challenging for me. Um, but then on public land in Texas, chasing three and a half, four year old bucks all season long, I didn't actually have an opportunity to shoot at one all year. You know, and that's like I said, the caliber, the different deer. And so you can kind of set your levels at whatever experience you're after, whatever experience your level you're at, you can set your levels, you know, and. Mm-hmm. This dude right here passed good deer on public land. So yeah. you know, it's a whole different thing. You can do however you want to. And that's I think that you made a good point there. It's uh, it's kind of so personal, but at the same time, relatable to other people because, every, I mean, almost everybody has a chance to shoot a whitetail somewhere in the U.S., you know. Yeah, we have a, I mean, we have a spot. Like, I like to put, like, a doe in the freezer, you know, towards the beginning of the season. and. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got a place down here we can go. It's a greenfield, and they pile in. I just call it. I mean, I'm going grocery shopping. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And yeah. like literally, I know I'm going to be able to take one probably that afternoon. But that I have a specific goal in mind. I'm going to go fill the freezer, mm-hmm. whereas maybe somewhere else I'm going to to accomplish a different mission. But that's part of like what we do is we put put food in the freezer to. You know, I very buy very little beef. Yeah, um, right. You know, it's all venison or some other game animal inside yeah. of my deep freezer. No mm. kidding. If I'm privileged enough to kill an elk, it's definitely I'm not buying any beef. You know, you want to eat whitetail too, but you know, it's something about them. But yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it's it's just it's and it's cool to get that like it's fulfilling as a hunter to like 
you know, we talk about like we're not meat hunters, right? Like it's not something we have to do, but like it is very fulfilling to go out and accomplish bringing that home, mm-hmm. you know, and there's something to that. Like there's something to like the, uh, I guess, primal nature of providing meat for your family and your friends, you mm-hmm. know, and, yeah. and it feels good and it feels right. Yeah. My kids have been watching me too. Like I've, pro- I've always processed my own game. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've, I can count on one hand the number of deer I've taken into a processor um, to get processed because I always do it myself. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, at two and three years old, my kids were standing out there by me Mm -hmm. watching me, you know, clean the deer, and they know where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that's super important Mm because there's so many people that don't really understand where this comes from. And then also we talk about, you know, sharing your meat. Like mm-hmm. one of the best things we can do just as hunters, I feel like, is if you get meat, you know, find somebody that maybe is open to it but hasn't had venison, you know, either serve that meal for them or have mm-hmm. them over and have that, that venison or give them to them and maybe give them a recipe and say, hey, you're cooking or you're good at, you know, if they're <laughs> yeah. a good cook and they yeah. know how to do it. But it's so funny, the number of people you get to actually eat something that you've made and they're like holy smokes this is delicious yeah, yeah. and i didn't even realize how good it could taste uh-huh. yeah that's, that's i mean it's absolutely true you if you follow a good recipe that's built for deer or wild game i mean if you do it exactly to a tea it's probably going to taste pretty awesome you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying so like i always i've got a couple of cookbooks and i mean i I threw something together the night based out of the cookbook, and I was like, man, I'm just going to try it. I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. And I was eating. I was telling KC. He was making fun of me because it probably didn't look good, you know. <laughs> but it tasted really good. And uh, it's really it's really when you, uh, when you follow the steps, it's, I mean, it can be really good. I mean, obviously, you know, when you start looking at uh, steaks or backstrap and trying to do that stuff on the grill, maybe take a little more expertise to get it that medium rare or whatever you might want it, you know, um, or whatever, Cassie. Well, yeah. Well, me and my wife are polar opposites. <laughs> I eat raw almost, you know, my wife likes it well done. So it's kind of tough, but that, you know, it, the it's constant a, marriage struggle. <laughs> yes. I, that's the real thing. Like, yeah. I am destroying this. I, how can you even eat this? This is disgusting. She might, not, she might not listen to this. So I'll go ahead and tell you this. The other evening she had a headache. My wife kind of has headaches every once in a while. And, uh, we had to eat with the lights off because they were hurting her eyes. I cooked the meat medium rare, and she's like, this is the best deer I've ever eaten because she couldn't see that it was pink and she had no idea. It's all middle, man. You've taught me something I've never even thought of accomplishing, but now I'm going to have to get there. Try it, man. Just be like, yeah. hey, we're going to have a romantic dinner tonight, you know, just candle on the yeah. table. And, just, and that candle is going to be 10 feet away. <laughs> That's right. We're not lighting anything up. Yeah. You know, but you speak to something cool. Like if you look at like native cultures, the processing – like it say like take Inuit cultures, you know, the processing is a huge part of like the village or the family setup, right? Like, you know, somebody goes out, brings home an animal and it's like a part of the bonding and it's what keeps them as a whole. And then they all share that meal. And it's really something I'm always thinking about things that we're losing as hunters because we're losing hunter numbers. So we're not doing something right. You know, we kind of all know that we're all trying to, you know, make stabs at how we're going to fix it. And I think we're, we're doing what we can, but you know, we can always learn. And I think that's making it more holistic like that, I think could be a big part of it. You know, if you're teaching your kids at a young age where meat comes from, then they're going to want to have their own meat, you know, as opposed to take somebody else's from the grocery mm-hmm. store, you know. And it's kind of a a thing 
like I said, I just always looking for what we're losing, yeah. you know, and I don't want to lose that part of it. I, I, I I'm going to let my kids, I don't have kids yet. I learn, I'm learning from you guys, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> they'll teach you as soon as they come out. <laughs> right. Absolutely. But I, I uh, I'm not going to make my kids do anything, but I, and I, but I feel strongly that they're going to want to do, going to want to do what I do, you know, because I have a passion for it, you mm. know, and, and so I need to make sure that I pass that passion on in the right way, you know, and it's kind mm. of essential and it's, you know, it's cool to hear, you know, two and three years old, like they're understanding. Mm. Therefore, there's no like room for, oh, this is gross. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just because it's inert, you know. Yeah. You, I mean, you learn it's gross, right? Like yeah. that's a learned thing because sure. when they were Inuits running around as little kids a couple hundred years ago it was not gross mm-hmm. it was food you know so yeah it is a learned thing so what are you going to learn it this way you're going to learn it that way mm-hmm. okay. yeah so what's your meal what's your favorite thing to do with uh venison yeah mm, that's a tough one <laughs> um i'd say i have like a it's like my it's kind of like a fancy one, but I, I mean, I like to just grill it and wrap it in bacon. And oh, that's yes. like, you like did that you the other day, can't you? go wrong with that. I feel right. You know, it's like fast, some Dale too. sauce yeah. and like mixed, <laughs> like it's really good. Um, but then I also have one that's like my fancy one. If I want to like, so it's like take, you take like brandy and you light it on fire and you're cooking it. <laughs> yeah. It's like legit. And it's so good. It's like a mushroom caper sauce. Uh. And it's, it's, I really like that one. So if I'm like, if I like want to show off, like mm-hmm. I, like <laughs> not that we never do that, but right. <laughs> I get to light the pan on fire, and, and we're all we're guys. We're like fire. It's exactly. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so that one's fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to do that one. That's awesome. I need to try that one. I don't. You might have, might have to send that one to uh, me. I'll snap a photo over yeah, and text I'm gonna it need to that you one later because I haven't come across a light this steak on fire recipe yet. So, <laughs> so anything with fire, big oh, flames is I'm, so much better. I'm a pyro, it's and it's even better because it's indoors. So when you're doing that portion of it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. like oh, this is yeah. like I could really like cause damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so product development and pyrotechnics is kind of like your thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. What's the uh, what's if you could go back and do one, only one whitetail hunt that you've already done and repeat that one just that's the only one you can repeat that you've done what would that be Mm, i'd have to say i don't maybe i guess my first one in georgia i mean just uh trying to look back at that and and what i was doing like that experience and the newness of it Mm -hmm. i think is really kind of neat Um, you know just being an early teenager and and that much excitement having i remember the first deer I, I shot was like, I was pretty high up in the tree stand and a climber, you know, that's what I was using then was like a climber and it was pretty windy and it was a, you know, a decently long shot, but I shot so much that I was probably better then than I am now. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and taking, it was, you know, it was a doe, but it was my first deer, but that level of excitement is, is kind of neat to be able to go back and like relive it is mm-hmm. kind of a neat mm-hmm. thing and that's why i'm so excited about going this year with my son because i think i'm gonna see some of that same stuff that i can mm-hmm. sort of remember yes. yeah um but that that would be pretty cool yeah that's and i i talk about this with him a lot but um i've always been into video um for a long time since i was probably I think for Christmas when I was 13, I wanted a Sony Handycam. That was like the only thing I wanted. It's like, you don't have to give me anything else. And uh, so I've been into it for a long time. Um, but, you know, it's, it is, sometimes it's 
debilitating or a hassle to carry a bunch of equipment in there and try to record your hunt, you know, but I, I love, I don't have a great memory. And so I love being able to go back and watch a hunt from two years ago and go, man, that's what I felt like during that hunt. I can remember it now, you know, cause I can see how my emotions on my face and you know, this and that. So that's one reason that I enjoy that. And I can only imagine when my son starts hunting, how, like you said, it would be, I could imagine that that would happen. It'd be like a little me again, you know, learning to how this all works. And I can, I can remember the first year I shot, I haven't been that excited since. I mean, and I get <laughs> yeah. juiced up, you know, I mean, you watched, yeah. watched me probably saw some of me act, yeah. acting You insane. can see it though. Oh, I yeah. mean, that, that, but that's why we're doing it. Oh, I can yeah. tell you where I would not want to go again real quickly. Okay, yeah. South Florida. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes my decision about that state a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah, I uh everybody should do it once. I think and the key I is feel once. like that. Yeah, yeah, one time. I feel like that's uh something I would like to do. I mean, just for the unique opportunity of hunting in July whitetails that are hard horned. I mean, it's pretty cool, you know, but yeah. I don't see my odds of harvest being very high. I don't know. It just seems like it'd be hard to kill deer down there. Yeah, I mean, I think you could that it depending we had a lot of guys so we were pressuring the property pretty heavily right off the bat and mm. you know so but i think uh um you know if you went down there it's just but you're gonna harvest something like it's gonna be probably if you cross 100 inches you're doing <laughs> yeah. you're doing something yeah. special so um but it's it's a neat experience and i think it's like that's one of the things is like to try things that are actually kind of off base and a little bit different than most people think like mm-hmm. that's like that's an experience hunt right yeah. um yeah. and what we were doing down there with mike and 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 those guys uh um was was a it was a true experience and like hanging out in the camp with that crew was a lot that was like half the fun see that's another thing i'll talk about what we miss like or what we're losing as hunters yeah we've become such like a solo culture you yeah. know and like deer camp you talk about this a lot like Used to, you know, you'd go out hunt in the mornings and come back, and everybody told stories all day. You sat around a fire, you know, had a good lunch or whatever. You know, you just don't have that deer camp mentality a whole lot anymore. Mm-hmm. No, and 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 that's like growing up, like where I'm from. That's everybody has their lease, and then they have the camp, right? Mm-hmm. And the deer camp. And I've got a pretty funny story about deer camp when I was younger. Is uh, it involved fire and deer camp? So that's why <laughs> I bring this up. So you know, you have cleaning day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like prep day, and mm-hmm. everybody goes down there, and so we. We were down there at my buddy's mats, who I started with, and we're sweeping up. And I don't know which one of us was sweeping, but one of us was sweeping up out of the cabin. And, you know, it would go into the thing. We have the fire where we're burning up all the junk that you just need to get rid of. Somebody took that and dumped that in, but there were 22 shells that were somehow (laughs) in this. And I remember sitting there, and all of a sudden, like, they popped, and everybody kind of looked. And then all of a sudden, it was like mass pandemonium. Everybody running over, like, shell casings flying out, you know. And, like, it was like, yeah, people were ducking and covering. It was... It was uh, it was one of the oh, the funniest man. moments, you know. Where after it finally ended, everybody's yeah. laughing, but nobody you know. died. And <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. At that point. <laughs> yeah. So uh, apparently, somebody didn't manage their uh, ammunition too well mm-hmm. in that camp. So no, man, I can't blame myself. I was only a teenager. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's that's funny, man. There, uh, we've got some good stories too, and and uh, that kind of I think it kind of circles around to what I was saying earlier about you know like 
at some point you need to challenge yourself and you maybe you do need to go on a solo hunt and, and this and that, but there's also a different, there's a whole other culture that I feel like guys are missing out on when they just think I'm going to go do this public land solo hunt and try to kill the baddest bull in the woods or whatever, you know, it's, it's a good challenge, a great challenge, but I think that they're, I think that our culture maybe doesn't quite value the culture that is built around deer camp as, as much these days. And it's kind of, it's kind of saddens me to see, I'm not that old. I don't feel like, you know, so, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't mean to sound like an old timer or anything, but man, we had some fun times at deer camp, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you kind of, you know, me and him have fun times in the, in the tree, but yeah, we've talked about getting cameramen, you know, for a little bit for this season or whatever, but I don't want to, you know, be weird about this, but I don't want to lose our time in the stand yeah. together, you know, because yeah. it's so much fun. Oh, we spooked deer just laughing our heads off. <laughs> it's just sorry, like this is fun, you know. That's a funny joke you just said. Yeah, that, you yeah, know, whatever. yeah, no kidding. So uh, usually when you go with camps too, if anybody starts the, you know, not that we don't text in the stand, but when somebody starts that text thread with everybody that's in camp, mm-hmm. and then like you're reading it, and then somebody sends that message, and then you're even if you're alone, you start laughing like, and yeah. you're like oh, I just messed up my hunt. Exactly. <laughs> that was too funny. Yeah. yeah. yeah so we talked about the Florida and the hot weather and how uh, you design things to manage, um, uh, you know, sweat and, and things like that. But what about the cold side of things? How, how are you working to battle that for whitetail hunters? Because so, we get cold. We're yeah. from Texas. Like, if it's below 30, it's uh, something we talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah, you wouldn't believe how many fanatic suits we sell, like, in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I always say cold is relative. Um, so you might be a cold-natured person. You might be a, a hot-natured person. But managing it based off how you how you feel is important. So you have to build a system that's right for you. But we always talk about, like, we talk about, building foundations with like kids and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff uh, so that they have a good foundation in life. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to your system. You want to set your foundation so you can manage your moisture. So a lot of people would think, oh, it's cold. I don't want to start with a lightweight base layer. Well, that's exactly what you should do. Mm-hmm. So you want to take something like a really lightweight synthetic or a wool base layer, put that on your on your body. And depending on whether wool or synthetic, you know, that depends on the user and you can try that different experiment and figure out what works for you. But that, that foundation is what you're setting to manage the moisture. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to take and put insulation on top of that. So that might be like taking a core heavyweight like we have or, or taking something like the Fanatic hoodie, which is it's going to have like a fleecy backer or it's going to be like something like the Celsius midi that you're layering on. Um, that has insulation and then you look at your outer layer and then you're going to add that for depending on what the weather is so that if it's really cold it might be the fanatic or it might be the incinerator or if it's maybe something you want like that it's not it's going to be as cold you know you can take the stratus but then like for example like the stratus you could just take over the one layer when it's not that cold, that's a little bit windy, mm-hmm. but then start to add insulation under it to get you through the rest of the season. And that's how you build your system. And then, so that's like, I, I break it down into three things. So you, you, you set the foundation, which is your base layer. You, you add insulation and outer layers when you are in the stand, basically for the static set. But then also there's this idea of um, preparing for the commute 
that's going to and from the stand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't just like put everything on uh, that you have and then go out there. Like when I was in Alberta and it was below zero, like literally I'll, I'll take my, my layers that I have, I'll vent the legs in my fanatic bibs, but I'll literally be walking out in going and doing all the movements, like climbing up in my stand in like a fanatic hoodie. Mm-hmm. It's like below zero, but then I'll get up there and I'll climb into the stand and I'll spend 15 minutes getting my body temperature right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll add the layer for in the morning for, for insulation. So if you're ever climbing up and you see that drip of sweat come off your nose, you're like, you're, you're in for something. And if you do get yourself that in that situation, you want a system that can move the moisture out of of that Mm -hmm. uh and uh, i've talked to some people that's like oh i just want to buy this the stratus and put this on my on my body but i'm going to wear my jeans under that and that's the worst thing you can do is put cotton under there um so that that's the one thing i would say to people take it home take home from that is you know make sure that you're building your layering system that's right for you and think of it as investment so we spend a lot of money on like our weapons, right? Mm-hmm. I'll shell out like two grand on my bow and, <laughs> yeah. you know, or I'll, you know, spend a certain amount on my, you know, my rifle and my optics and all that type of stuff. But that's going to be something that I'm using for like just the moment. And you want to have something that allows you to get the job done. But there's, that is like five seconds probably <laughs> yeah. of what you're going to be doing. Um, and, Every, every day you're sitting in that stand, if you're not comfortable, you can't be as effective. Um, so, you know, you can sit longer if you want to. If it's a rut, you can sit all day. And I think that's, that's you have to think of everything you're doing as an investment in my comfort and my effectiveness in, in the stand for when I'm hunting. And so it, our stuff is, it costs, it costs money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, there, it's not inexpensive stuff, but we put a lot into developing the products, into the textiles, into what we're using to make sure that everything we're doing uh, is a uh, is allowing the hunter to be able to be more effective. Mm-hmm. We, we have a big thing around fit for use. So mm-hmm. basically everything we have, we won't just take something for the big game line and put it in the whitetail line. Mm-hmm. We're like, that's done. Let's let the EV2 pattern. <laughs> and like, that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, the yeah. waterfowl stuff, you know, they don't care about quiet. We do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they, they're, you know, guys that hunt waterfowl want waterproof. They want super durable. And there's, you know, a whitetail mentality is way different than that. And you have to be, if you want to be effective, you can't put something really noisy on and expect to be able to move around in close engagement distances, Mm -hmm. which is typically within 40 yards. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And from, and so you guys also take that painstaking attention to detail, I feel like, and you don't just put it into gear or making money, you know, but as a company, you guys are involved in, Uh, pretty heavily in the conservation side of things. And we're here for the TRCP media summit. Um, And you guys are a major sponsor and uh, sending representatives to the, to the media summit. And, you know, I know I can speak for Casey on this. I feel like uh, we wear Sitka because of the dedication to this, the animal, the species or whatever the, the, you know, that we're pursuing. And uh, that's a big deal for us. we, we feel strongly about that um, personally. And so um, I know you're not the conservation guy, 
but we're talking whitetails today. You've got you. I can see why we need to help conserve sheep species and put more sheep on the mountain and this, you know, these kind of things. Um, they're a little bit more of a fragile species. They've got a little less uh, adaptability to certain climates and that kind of thing. Elk, maybe the same way. Uh, mule deer are on the decline. I can understand that, but with whitetail, um, you know, we definitely have diseases that are uh, scary in the future, but they are flourishing right now. I feel like, um, uh, and they're, I mean, in some cases they're almost a nuisance in some areas, you know? Um, so why is it important that, I mean, why is Sika involved so heavily in the conservation side of things? And why do you feel like that's important as a whitetail brand, um, you know, from the whitetail brand perspective for, to conserve whitetails and what are we doing about that? Yeah. I mean, the way we look at it is just because it may be as good right now doesn't mean that it's going to be great down the road if people aren't actively working to conserve and protect and be a part of that ecosystem. I mean, we're, we're all tied together to the land in some way, like it or not. Like, whether or not you're super conservative, you're super liberal, whatever that may be, you're, you're going to be, we're all tied to the land in some way, and we all care about protecting it. So kind of looking for those common grounds on what we what we all agree on and i think the the fact that you know you you can't just take it for granted you know you have to be a participating member or mm-hmm. a participating part of protecting what we have uh it's also say that we wouldn't it's not like a guaranteed right that we have to hunt yeah i mean mm-hmm. that's like something that we all have to work to pr- to protect mm-hmm. um so you know there's there's a lot of reasons for hunting and there's a lot of reasons for managing whitetails the right way, you know, population control, you know, all, all the quality deer management, all that type of stuff that we do. But I mean, regardless, we, we, we have a responsibility. Um, we all do. I mean, we do as a company and then, uh, we, anybody that's involved in the sport has a responsibility to help protect it and Mm -hmm. also, you know, make sure that's here for, the kids that we're talking about in the yeah. future and their kids and and that's you know as the population grows it's going to continue to be a problem and and you know we have to figure out we have to be participating in how to come up with solutions mm-hmm. um you know there's always challenges in life that's guaranteed so we <laughs> yeah. have to be a, a part of the solution right well i appreciate your time yeah. i know you're a busy guy thanks for doing this with us yeah well, i appreciate you guys coming by and sure. it's, it's great to meet with you guys yeah. yeah for sure man man i just can't wait till we have to use layers oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> well that'd be great right now i'm yeah. trying to like mitigate my layers yeah. to where i have the least amount on as possible i like to have no layers on. Yeah. in fact that I is mean... a good day as long as there's no mosquitoes <laughs> <laughs> no layers is the way to fly around here yeah. but you're not very concealed because i'm pretty white up underneath <laughs> my, my shirt Two-tone, these days bro. this is not the old days where i tanned it up but uh <laughs> no for real i think that uh from chris we can learn a lot about layering systems and I mean, we hunt a lot of public land. We have a lot of long walk-ins where we pretty much like succumb to the fact that we are going to sweat. Like it's going to happen no matter how cold it is, what time of day it is or whatever. Um, you're going to end up sweating when you're carrying in 50 pounds of stand, camera gear and all that. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out how to deal with that sweat and how to manage that moisture. And I think that, uh, you know, having the proper base layers and like 
actually putting some thought into what you wear as opposed to just like, I'm just going to get out of the truck and my warm stuff and go Yeah, can really make a difference. Oh, for sure. I know it did for us several, several times last year. Well, I remember, though, dude, there were some mornings at TR when it was so cold I did not want to get out of the truck because I knew I had to walk in in, like, hardly nothing. We need it was to, freezing. We need to figure out how to, like, get all of our gear ready to like basically just strap it on and walk because I thought I mean especially me but I had a lot of camera gear but like I would we would stand at that truck for like 10 minutes trying to get all our gear together and like when it's cold you're like I don't want to put a jacket on because I really need to strap it to the back of my backpack Mm -hmm. but if you had everything strapped and ready to go and know that it's not going to blow out of the you know back of the truck or whatever then you could (laughs) we just got to buy a mini I think that's what we need. I think that's, that's what, what we need. I mean, we, we figured found, that out. We we'll figured out in Bozeman. <laughs> a minivan is the ultimate hunting rig. Yeah, so yeah. if we had a minivan, we could just walk to the back, wave our foot underneath the bumper, make the door come up, <laughs> and grab our, grab our packs yeah. and go. Throw a soccer ball to, up in there. That's it, man. Yeah. I don't know. I I just uh, I think if we can get out like and basically put on our stuff and rock and roll pretty quick, mm-hmm. like that'll you'll warm up really quickly before mm-hmm. you've even cooled off, you know. Yeah. But I think that was one issue that probably was caused mainly by me <laughs> last year. Well, there's another <clears throat> issue is that normally nature calls about the time you pull up to where you're yeah. gonna go hunt. Especially on a long uh drive to public yeah, land. Yeah. And so like there's this whole like heat management whenever you're trying to use the bathroom and stripping your layers off. Yeah. I don't know if there's an answer for that. It's so. kind of a rough life, man, doing walk-ins <laughs> in the is. morning, you know? It is. But uh, I don't know. It, it's a lot of fun, and I'm I'm just ready, man. I'm so, so ready. I can't wait to – and one thing, you know, speaking of long walks, we need to get some trail cameras checked because there's been some trail cameras out for a while now that have what not been What time is it? I think I'm going to try to do one tonight, actually. 7 Ooh, o'clock. It is time for me to do yeah. that pretty soon. So I'm going to go into my permission property, Sweat Equity, and uh, go check that out because I got a little report today that someone saw a toad in the about 90s. a mile from there. In the nineties, <laughs> in the nineties, no, <laughs> there was a toad in the nineties supposedly too. But, There's uh, always a toad in the nineties. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like something about the nineties was just a good decade. That was man. I was, I was glad to grow up. Good those. deer years, but uh, uh, no, like on the hoof this weekend, toad over there, which Pretty I don't. Close. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but they're like, man, it's a big one, you know. Well, I mean, but I would like to see a great three-year-old over there. there you know, you go. yeah. Not saying I'm going to shoot him, but it just—it's good to know that like people are seeing good deer yeah. in that area. Well, we checked uh, we checked cameras from or one of the your camera from that area over there, and there was a good little bachelor group over mm-hmm. there. I wouldn't say any shooters, right? But mm-hmm. like, but what we've learned about bachelor groups is they can like pick up a mature buck here and there, mm-hmm. and then lose him. You know, I think maybe he gets cantankerous and just sits down one or lays down one day and everybody else goes away but good word. yeah i think that uh if uh keep tabs on over there and i'll also if i have enough time i'm gonna go open up scrapes while i'm there yeah i want to do that soon too yeah. i was thinking about that the other day and i didn't have time we started getting rained on when i was when i was re-upping my batteries and my camera and everything it so. seems that september 1st is like the like transition to hardhorn it started mm-hmm. because a lot of my friends are sending me pictures of bucks like i can't believe he's already hardhorned but if I've seen that six or seven different times, then that's the time it's happening. Yeah. I've always you know? noticed it, you know, in Kansas in the the first week of September, you yeah. know, anywhere from <clears throat> from the first to the seventh or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, seems to be. But um, yeah, dude, I'm ready. I mean, we we got some stuff like the little mud hole that we put on 
uh, put a trail camera on mm. a while back. There's going to be some good stuff yeah, on that. Yeah, there will be good stuff on that. Yeah, so that's exciting. I'm ready to go do that stuff, and hopefully we will get out and do that maybe this weekend. Um, and if we do, you guys can be looking for a PLC next week. Um, and if we don't, then you just want to keep watching Nameless over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that, so it's yeah. fine. <laughs> so don't feel, don't forget, though, there's that contest going on. It's uh, comment on YouTube and have a chance at Exus Trail Camera, Exus Trek Trail Camera, and uh, share on Facebook for a chance at Onyx Premium Membership. And uh, thank you guys for all the, all the feedback again, man. We really appreciate it. God bless you guys. And remember, this is your element. Living it. Hey guys, it's Steve on my phone in Hawaii, where it happens to be turkey season. And it is right now turkey week here at Meat Eater, which means tons of great turkey hunting content, a lot of great offers on turkey gear at themeateater.com, and even a calling contest where I am getting my ass thoroughly kicked. Go find it all at themeateater.com.